Hello, and welcome to the Neurodiverse Teacher Podcast. Today, my guest is Tammy Haddad. Tammy is a third-generation educator. In her free time, she loves gaming, making music, and trying to communicate with trees, which I love. I'll have to ask her about (laughs) if she's tried that touching the shoulder thing yet. She's a proud member of the Navajo Nation, and Tammy's website, CozyRainbow.org, was born near the end of her first year of teaching. Tammy saw the need for innovation in the classroom, and she also hosts a podcast for kids, and she's interested in alternative forms of education. So welcome, Tammy. I'm really excited to have you here today. Hey, it's great to be here. Well, before we jump in, I have to ask you about the tree thing. Have you tried that challenge? Or I don't know if you've even seen that challenge. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. No? Okay, so there's this TikTok challenge that's going around Uh, where people go and they stand near trees and they they talk to the tree and they're like if if you can hear me touch me and all these people will see like these tree limbs kind of like and there's not a breeze or anything going on reach out and touch the person on the shoulder and this was like this big tiktok craze or trend that went through recently so i thought maybe that was part of your communicating with the trees oh no i should try it though that sounds like i would love if that happened i would feel touched literally and figuratively <laughs> you have to look this up then if, the, if you're into communicating with the trees I definitely recommend looking it up I think if you put it in TikTok maybe even communicating with trees you'll see all these videos pop up and I think Lizzo if you know who I mean by Lizzo she even did it where like she stood next to the tree and was like if you can hear me touch me and there and you see these tree limbs like move to touch the person on the shoulder it's crazy wow well, I'm sorry. I already took us down this crazy rabbit hole. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to try it next time but I'm yeah. near a tree. <laughs> Please try it and let me know how it goes. I tried it. I didn't have the same luck other people were having, but maybe I'm not as in tune with the trees. Maybe if you give it a go, you'll have better luck than I did. Well, I mean, it sounds fake. And like, what can you trust on TikTok? But very true. You know, maybe it'll happen. And then I'll be like, oh, my God, magic. And and maybe it's you, like, since that's your thing, like, maybe you're already going to be pre predisposed for it to, to happen for you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Well, let me go ahead and jump in. The first thing I want you to be able to talk to me about is a little bit more about Cozy Rainbow, the inspiration for creating the site. Oh, yes. So, um, post-Zoom era. So, I did my student teaching all on Zoom. So post the Zoom era, everybody's on their Chromebooks in the classrooms. Everybody's got a laptop all the time. Um, basically, fast finishing at the schools that I was teaching at was kind of like, okay, you can get on a learning program. So like, okay, get on Lexia. Okay, get on Prodigy. I'm sure. Are you familiar with those programs? Because you, yeah, you're in teaching. Yeah, exactly. So they're basically, yeah, that was it for my for my scaffolding type of situations or like do some research on the computer on your own um, about a certain topic. So in the beginning of the school year, one of my students, she like raised her hand and she goes, are we going to listen to podcasts this year? This little girl, she's in fifth grade. And I was like, podcasts, what? Like, I didn't react like it was weird, you know, but I was like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know kids enjoyed podcasts because I was like, I definitely like podcasts, but I was listening to like true crime. Like everybody loves a true crime podcast. Um, Crime junkies. Yes. Crime junkie. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I listened to a couple other ones, but they're definitely not appropriate for kids. And I never <laughs> considered that a child would like to listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. But then as time has gone on, I kind of realized kids definitely well we did end up listening to a podcast in my classroom because she had mentioned to me that her fourth grade teacher or something listened to six minutes podcast have you heard of that one i haven't you know i've only listened to a couple episodes i tried to listen to it by myself just like Mm -hmm. in my car and it definitely is it's the most downloaded family audio drama in history is what that that's what that's what they claim. I don't know if that's actually true, right? But I, it probably is true, though, because it is. I think PBS might have something to do with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's this podcast about a girl. And the whole shtick is that the episodes are six minutes long. So her fourth grade teacher would play this in the class and basically have them do different language arts skills like making predictions and like maybe a little bit of vocabulary and they would listen to the episode it's only six minutes so it'd be like a quick little thing that would be kind of fun for them to do every day and there's hundreds of episodes I I think the show is over like I said I listened to a few episodes but it wasn't like it wasn't a podcast that I will I listen to on my own. However, if I was a kid, maybe I would have listened to it. Or if I was in the classroom, I probably would have enjoyed it. Okay. We ended up listening to this podcast in my class called Mars Patel. And it was the unexplainable disappearance of Mars Patel. That's the full name of the podcast. And with that, we would do vocabulary and context clues. Sometimes we would make predictions about what was going to happen next in the mm-hmm. story. I found it was a very interesting way to get students to listen. Wow. And God, those kids don't listen all the time, you know? Yeah. But even some of my students who were like the most like just not interested in focusing or, you know, there's different activities you can do, of course, like, but we can't be physically moving around a hundred percent of the time Mm -hmm. because, there's certain tests and things that need to happen. The podcast that we listened to was a great way to just see students like kind of really get into that active listening and note taking because the other thing that we would do some like they would have to listen for the vocabulary word and mm-hmm. try to figure out what the vocabulary word was based on you know, context clues. And that was definitely really interesting to see. It was almost like the kids were watching. It's, it's like watching a movie, but without, without having to stare at anything, which I think is refreshing. My eyes get tired of staring at screens, especially that after that whole year, there's a website called kidslisten.org, I think. Mm-hmm. And they are like, you know, pioneering the way of kids podcasts. And they have some stuff on there about how podcast can be a great tool to reduce your kids screen time but it's still kind of like a an activity that definitely keeps your mind going and so cozy rainbow was born (laughs) i love okay so cozy rainbow has that that aspect then so are you creating these types of stories on cozy rainbow yeah, so I guess if you if I were to put a genre on it, it's nonfiction because okay. we ta- I just I talk with my little brother who mm. my little brother is neurodivergent mm. and yeah, I'm on there with my little brother and he I usually like research a topic like something fun just mm-hmm. that I think is fun or like something if I hear a kid talking about it, I'm like, what is that? And then I'll do more research about it. So like I just 
wrote an episode about axolotls. I don't. Do you hear kids talking about axolotls ever? I don't. You have to get me up to speed on this. Axolotls, they're like an aquatic animal. They're not. They're more like a salamander than a fish. Okay. They're an aquatic animal, and they only existed in like two lakes in Mexico. Anyway, they're they're going extinct. It's really sad. But they were they're a very cute little animal. You Google a picture if you want. And they get, were released on Minecraft in 2017. Like they so they got really popular all of a sudden. You literally can see Google search trend. There's a spike in 2017 <laughs> after it came out in Minecraft. Anyway, so just things like that. I also wrote an episode about boba tea. You know, boba tea is like yeah. really popular right now. So anything that I think is just kind of fun and interesting. And so what I do with the worksheets is I kind of I have notes that I write for myself right about like different facts and stuff so it's basically kind of like the transcript of the podcast and I'll just put a blank in there and then I give them a word bank so they're listening to the podcast and then they have to fill in the blank and it's not hard but you have to listen and those are my favorite kind of worksheets to do in school you know well maybe not my favorite because sometimes I like things that were a little bit hard but they're easy but the right kind of challenging, you know, to keep yeah. kids engaged. Like whenever I would do that with like Bill Nye science videos in my own classroom mm-hmm. and they you have to fill in the blank. And I had one kid who was like, I don't know. I Sometimes I think kids that are, have more like hyperactive tendencies, when you have a podcast like that, there's nothing that they have to look at, but they're listening and then the words it's like it keeps them on track because they're like oh yeah like i need to figure out what this next blank is like they're really interested in it i love that i i can i tell you that this is brilliant like absolutely brilliant please tell me you do something like on teachers pay teachers so if somebody listening wanted to be like oh my god i love this and i'm gonna use cozy rainbow and i want these worksheets that you have some place where people can access this yes absolutely i post them for free on teachers pay teachers. Uh, you so, are, but, yeah, is- the fill in the blank stuff, that's free. I do I make like crosswords and puzzles and stuff and that mm-hmm. I'll charge like a dollar or two dollars or something like that. Like extra little activities, but the actual listening guide is free. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll give them like a challenge, usually mm-hmm. an art or a writing challenge. So the last one that I did that was really popular, I was kind of surprised cuz I, I don't know, I thought writing was more of a I struggled to get my students to want to write because Mm -hmm. it seemed like such a laborious task, but the writing challenge is really popular. One that I just did. I I did an episode about memoirs and yo-yos. And so I told the kids to, and I did yo-yos because my dad, that was like his favorite toy growing up. He's like, (laughs) you should do an episode about yo-yos. I was like, okay. (laughs) So uh, I had this challenge this writing challenge where they're supposed to go interview an adult about their favorite toy and mm. kind of write like a memoir or like a fictionalized memoir about it and I got so many submissions and funny enough I think a lot of people in different countries listen to my podcast and I'm guessing it's some schools in other countries listen to it as an English learning language tool wait a English language learning tool I said that backwards and it makes so sense I, because I think you're about to have a bunch of people who support you get really mad at me for saying this, but I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Like, I feel like you could have a side gig on something like this. Like, I know as a teacher, I would pay money 
like good money for, you know, if I had a year's worth of curriculum essentially in writing where, okay, I had a podcast and I had supplementary materials to go with it. I'd have no problem being like, here is my money. Please take this money. Cause you've done a lot of work for this. So, I mean, I'm sure all your fans are like, shh, be quiet to me because they're like, I love getting these resources. And I think it's super kind and amazing what you're doing, but this is, this is awesome. Like, I mean, this is a curriculum in itself. And I think what you've created, like my mind is blown and I, I'm, I'm not usually easily taken back by stuff like this, but I really think that this is awesome and something that you really have kind of a niche market here, a kind of an up and coming trend. And I, I really feel like there's an opportunity for you to create some really awesome stuff here. And I think teachers would buy into it. Well, thank you very much for saying that. I felt so weird when I started it, you know, because it's, but then I was like, whatever, I'm going to do it because I just, I just wanted to, I don't know. The market of kids podcasts, like kids podcasts are getting more popular, I think too. So thank you so much for saying that. And I always struggled too to think like, is this a learning material? Like, is it useful in schools? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, you are being super creative in what you're doing. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm hijacking this interview a little bit because I'm really impressed by what you are sharing with me. And I, I just want you to know how amazing I think that this is. And that I really think that this is something, in my opinion, that's cutting edge. It's, it's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of engaging kids. And you're doing it in a kind of a, a trendier, more on topic, something that they can relate to kind of way. I really think that you have something really special and really amazing here. And I, I I think as teachers, and I have struggled with this in my work too, since leaving the classroom, you know, sometimes I think we, we don't sell ourselves because you get into teaching because you're, a, a, you're in service, right? You love, you love helping, you love doing things for people and helping them and helping them to succeed. So I think oftentimes when that's where we came into kind of professionally, we tend to like sell ourselves short when it comes time to be like, hey, I've got this amazing thing and I would really like you to buy into it. We have a hard time doing that because we're service oriented individuals. And that's something I have personally struggled with. And, and I see it happening to you too. You're like, you know, I, I'm here because I love what I do and I want other people to have access to it, but don't sell yourself short. I think you're really on the, on the verge of something really special and really amazing. And, and, and I think people really would be like, yes, I want this. I could even see this being a curriculum in, in schools nationwide. That's what my dad said. <laughs> I, and, I, I mean, and I'm saying that as somebody who is a very veteran. Well, you, you have your doctoral degree. So I think you're my, my dad. He's just. <laughs> a qualified, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, I truly believe that. And I would not say that to you. I would be like, oh, OK, this is great. This is wonderful. You know what I mean? Well, you would have had me on probably if you didn't. No, <laughs> but I. I really feel that this is something special that you have created. And I really want to encourage you to, to make it something big because I think you really have something special here. Well, thank you. Um, it's not all free. Like I said, just the listening guide is free because I want to get people in to listen to it. Mm -hmm. But then after that, there's supplemental stuff that, that I do charge for. Yeah. But if you're doing it at a, I mean, I, I honestly, as a teacher, if you gave me like a, a year's worth of here's my podcast and here's my materials, I'd happily pay it a, a, a hundred, couple hundred dollars for something like that. If it gave it to me for an entire year's worth of lessons, no problem. Yeah. Well, maybe when I get to that point where I've been doing it for an entire year, because they think we have like uh, 12 episodes right now, we're just about to start season three. 
it's more than 12, probably more like 15. So, well, even if you did one a week and then the teacher was able to kind of base their, the rest of their lessons around that one podcast, do you know what I mean? So you would only have to have what, 30 some episodes maybe, and you'd have a full year. Yeah, that is true. I do have a Patreon with a crossword puzzle subscription. So I said, I have these crossword puzzles. I have one printed here. I'll show you. Yeah, please. Okay, this is the very first one I ever did. See? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, um, wow. But it's a little crossword puzzle. And so the clues to the crossword puzzle are all words that are used in the podcast. So you can mm-hmm. read the clues, but it'll, it'll, it's very challenging if you do not listen to the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, it'll be a lot easier. So that's Patreon. And I said I, that one I wasn't aiming towards classrooms necessarily because I'm mm-hmm. sure teachers would probably just go on Teachers Pay Teachers to buy that kind of stuff and print it themselves. But that was one where I was, I, I, I mail it to like families who subscribe or whatever. So it's like $10 a month. And I think it's kind of cute. I have like these like special cloud envelopes and I put like mm-hmm. a rainbow sticker on there. And then I think it's fun to get something in the mail that isn't a bill or health insurance <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. A special cozy rainbow envelope with a special crossword puzzle in it. And then I think for families too, there's a lot of moms and daughters that listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something fun to do like in the car yeah. There's like trivia questions too. So in the very beginning, I'll say like a trivia question. I don't give the answer until the end. So it's kind of fun to see, test your knowledge, see what you know. Well, Tammy, I'm blown away. I think this is something that is really special and really amazing that you've created. And I'm, I'm, I knew you had this, but I don't think I understood to the degree. So as I'm learning more about it, I'm just this is fantastic. I really kudos to you for, for being this creative. I mean, this is a really creative thing that you've done that I think is really engaging is really cutting edge. And I hope that your word gets out about this uh, because I think you're, you really have something special here. Thank you. Yeah. I do my best to tell everybody. And, and like I said, it's actually really big and and some other, well, not really big, but it's pretty, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was like the number six, kids podcast in israel <laughs> but, but that, i mean hey i can't say that who can say that that's really amazing tammy that's awesome thank you yeah so and and that's saying like there's basically like two really big kids podcast not really big but there's two kids podcast companies mm-hmm. so to be doing it like this is just like an independent like it's me doing it <laughs> so to have that i think it's been really cool I think you should definitely look into maybe somebody who hosts educational podcasts, you know, so a, a big name and see if they, they'll be willing to kind of absorb you or sponsor you so that you can get your word out even more. Because I really do think you have something special here. And I really hope it's something you continue to cultivate and, and pursue because I, I really like what I'm hearing. I think it's really amazing. Yeah, thank you. I'm definitely not going to give it up because I, I agree with you. I think it is pretty it's pretty special. Um, the idea, you know, I, it's turned into something really special and like better than I ever could have imagined. You know, the thing with the art and writing is the kids send me their stuff mm-hmm. and I post it on my website. I post every single thing that a kid sends me on the website. And it's, it really makes my day when I wake up in the morning and I have an email from mm-hmm. a child in India and it's like a cute little picture that they drew. <laughs> 
I love that. That is adorable. And and I have your website for those who are watching. Your website is scrolling across the bottom here. But oh, yeah. for people who are listening, would you mind just mentioning if they wanted to learn more about you, reach out to you, or or even go to your website where they can do that? Yeah. So my website is cozyrainbow.org. You can follow me on Instagram at cozyrainbownv. And then if you want to send me an email or send an art submission or something, I do encourage uh, parents and children to look at the rules or not the rules, but like the categories for the contests on the website. Um, but my email is cozyrainbownv at gmail.com. Love it. I love it. Well, let me get into a couple other things. I'm sure we'll Great. circle back to this because I'm still super excited about everything you just shared with me. But I want you to be able to talk to me too about, I saw in your bio how you were a proud member of the Navajo Nation. So I'm oh, sure yeah. you want to give a shout out there. And I'd love for you to be able to talk about that as well. So my mom is a special education teacher and she is Navajo, you know, full. And then her mom, so my grandmother, was also a teacher, and she taught on the Navajo reservation. Oh, so wow. I didn't even really think about that until after I graduated college and had my teaching license. And then I was teaching, and then I was like, oh, my, wait a second. Is this genetic? Like, Because I was like, my mom's a teacher, and her mm-hmm. grandma's a teacher. And I was like, how many people in this world and I really don't know. It might not even be another person, to be honest with you. But how many people in this world can say that, like, they're a third generation teacher from the Navajo Nation? That is pretty impressive. That's really cool. Yeah, I just think I so once I realized that I was like, that actually is very unique. And it's, it's something that I'm proud of. And I try to mention because I did not have a Native American teacher or a Navajo teacher. Uh, ever until in college and I had one professor and even that is like a long shot like I can't believe that happened Mm -hmm. and she of course she was like the multicultural education professor so which is great you know but just to have like a regular teacher who happens to be Native American like it was Mm -hmm. always just growing up in school they have a program where I live where they give you like school supplies basically Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year, they would pull all the native kids out of class in the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and give us some school supplies. And this one year they gave us this book called, Oh my gosh, it's a Sherman Alexie book. Sherman Alexie is a native American author. Mm -hmm. The, Oh my gosh, it's called part-time Indian, something, something part-time Indian. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they gave us a copy of that. I'm only mentioning this because they gave the same thing to me. And my three younger siblings. So we have like four copies of this book at our house. Um, But yeah, they would pull us out and give us school supplies. And so that would make me very aware of how many other Native American kids there were at school. And there was like three. Hmm. Out of like a a school that has like 1,500 kids, there'd be like three of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's like every year after seeing that, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so rare. (laughs) In like a sad way, though, because it's genocide. Yes. And, and you know what? And I, all I could think of while you were talking to is just how important representation is. Like that was kind of what I was hearing you say, like, and, and I think it is important. And I think it's fantastic that you're a teacher because representation is important. I think it's important for children to see themselves in adults, especially in teachers. Um, and I, and I know I'm saying that as somebody who couldn't look more 
blonde and white, but I truly, as somebody who has worked and grew up in a very diverse area, um, representation is important. I think kids need to see teachers who represent them. And, and so they can see like, this is my future. These are the things that are capable and possible for me. So I think the fact that you're a teacher and you recognize that is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I think it definitely could make a difference for I was lucky because both of my parents went to college mm -hmm. and they were always like, you're going to college, too. And I was like, OK. <laughs> and I pretty, you know, I pretty much did it. It's just like what I was expecting to do. But mm -hmm. then as I got older, I realized not everybody has that. You know, not everybody's parents are just telling them to go to college and, hey, you know, you need to apply for scholarships and yeah. da da da, like all of that. So I hope that kids who see me like realize hey you know my teacher did this when she was younger and I, I can do it too I think that's fantastic I, I mean and I, I think that is so important and I think that you recognize that and you're making sure that that message get, is getting out to your students is something that's really wonderful that's fantastic thank you yeah all right well let me ask you a couple other things one okay. of the things that I wanted you to dive into, we talked a little bit before we started recording, was that you mentioned you were a gifted student when you were younger. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey as a student, what school was like for you, and maybe how that maybe influenced you. I know that you're a third generation teacher, but did that influence you at all as well to become a teacher? I'd love to hear a little bit more of your story in relation to that. Yeah, so I'll answer your last question first. It did not influence me to become a teacher. I never thought that I was going to become a teacher because when I was younger, I was always frustrated. That was basically like gifted and talented. No, frustrated and like I already know this is what it should be called or how I felt, I guess. You know, as a kid, obviously you don't know everything. So I don't want to sound like, oh my God, I knew everything when I was a kid, but I definitely was bored in school a lot. My mm -hmm. mom did not become a teacher until I was in college. So oh. she didn't become a mm, well maybe in my last year of high school I don't know I remember she was working on her master's degree in special education while I was in high mm -hmm. school so then when I was in college she started teaching mm -hmm. uh, before that she was working with my dad so um, that did not really influence my decision to become a teacher however my aunt is also a teacher she teaches <laughs> second grade she still does so when I was little I would go to school with her she would drive me to school in the morning and I would literally hang out in the classroom like 30 minutes before school started well if she was early <laughs> sometimes we were late uh and then after school I would be with her like for hours and I would just like sit in her classroom and draw on the whiteboard and read books and stuff. I really didn't mind. She says now she has her own kids now. And this is before she has kids. And she says that I was like amazing compared to her kids because <laughs> her kid, I would get home or like get, you know, get out of school and do my homework immediately, like immediately because it just, I don't know. I was like, I got to get it done before I forget what we learned today. <laughs> and I would literally do it while I was eating a snack. And then I'd be eating my snack. And if, if I spilled on my paper, I would like, like, like spill orange juice on my paper. Mm -hmm. I would circle it and just write an arrow and be like, this is orange juice, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny now. when I think as a teacher, like I'm great. I, that would make me laugh if I, mm -hmm. I'd also be like, ew, depending on what it is. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I will say that one of the biggest things I think that affected me with the whole gifted and talented thing mm -hmm. was so when I was in like third grade, I, st I tell my students this to this day, 
the gate class, we would get pulled out of class to go do stuff like make origami. Mm-hmm. And like we learned about Japan that year, I think, which I I mean, I thought it was cool, obviously, because mm-hmm. I still remember. I don't remember a lot of stuff from school. Um, I missed our math block. Like, I don't know how often I went to gate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was every day or every week, but I do know I missed our math block. And that put me a little behind in math, but nobody really noticed. Mm-hmm. So that was the year we were learning our multiplication facts. So I never quite learned my sixes and my eights to this day. Well, now, I mean, finally, God, after I taught fifth grade, it's kind of like, I kind of got it. But (laughs) basically, like before that, I was, and it's not really that big of a deal, right? Because, you know, if you don't know what eight times six is, you just do eight times five plus eight, whatever. Mm -hmm. But... I definitely like I was always aware that I did miss that in math and I always was like they really should have pulled us at a different time like not math come on guy like that's what I thought as a kid I was like don't pull us during math like that's like the hardest subject kind of I mean nope, reading I, I don't know they did the same thing to me too. they did the same say? thing to me they did the same thing to me so I'm with you on that I still like multiplication is not my jam I am actually certified to teach pretty much every core content, but math and for a reason. And I think it's for that reason that you just explained. Yeah. I talked about that um, for one of my, one of my students, cause he was getting speech services. So he was getting pulled out of the class to do speech and his grade in one area had like plummeted and they were asking me like, why? And I was like, well, he does get pulled out. Like it was, I think it was just once a week, but I was like, that could be making a difference if you're pulling them at the same time. But then I don't know when would be a good time to pull a student during the day. There really isn't one. I mean, if I had to pick, I'd do like social studies (laughs) because social studies isn't really it's not tested quite the same. But yeah, Um, the other thing I will say with the whole gifted and talented thing is I don't. So now as an adult, I don't really believe in the word gifted. I think I was just doing my homework. Like, and is it gifted or did my dad just teach me how to read when I was little? Like, did he just read books? Because the same thing, me, my siblings and I, like, we just knew how to read before we got into school. And that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Because once you know how to read, you can learn anything. I mean, theoretically, you know, some books are harder than others, but I just there I and I see it still today like there's some kids where they they just know how to read and then they're like in kindergarten they can read on like a sixth grade level seventh grade level or a fifth grader that reads like a high schooler so that I think that really the reading to your kids like I wish that every child had a chance to just be exposed to literacy and having an adult read to them or like an older kid or whatever, because I really do think that makes all of the difference in the literal future of their education. And I always thought that, but then I remember learning about research and stuff in college that actually proved that point to be real. Yeah. So, and then I will also say, school was always kind of a breeze. Like it was pretty easy for me. But the other thing too, was like I said, I think my dad was just kind of teaching me stuff at home. Like he just wanted to, I don't know, like he's just a nerd, I guess. I don't. So he'd be like teaching me, he, he would help me with my homework if I needed it. But mm-hmm. 
he was just like always making sure that I got my homework done. It was really now that I look back, I'm like, I don't know. I think I mean, yeah, I think I'm smart. Yeah. But I think I really just had parents that really cared about my education and were always, always checking my homework and always making sure I did my projects and that kind of stuff. Um, I will say I do think I'm a pretty talented writer. I was just listening to an episode that you did with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Hammett. Yeah. Hamish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he mentioned that he is a really good writer. And he was like, I think it's because of my neurodiverse tendencies. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am also a a very good writer, a very strong writer. And I always say that because uh, forever growing up, everybody was always just like, Oh my God, this is like, this is amazing. Like you wrote this and same thing for my little brother. And he, uh, my mom thinks, you know, he doesn't have a diagnosis or anything. My mom has said he, he probably has like a little sprinkle of autism, which it it makes sense. He, Yeah. yeah, he definitely, He's on the podcast with me. So, but I don't, I don't think you could really tell that from just listening to us talk because yeah. So by the time I got into eighth grade, I had pre-algebra and that was the year that I, I don't think I failed, but I got a C. I mean, I passed the class, obviously. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, I got it together in the end, but that was the first class where it wasn't just like, we learned this in class and then I could do it again on the test. I was like, what? And then I had to learn how to study. And I was, I'm so glad that happened in eighth grade. God, it would have been so much worse if it happened later on in life. It did happen again, again, Mm -hmm. in my sophomore math class or something like that. But it got, yeah, that was like the first time, like I, I was doing this stuff and all of a sudden it was like, I don't know, I would take the quiz and I thought I knew what I was doing and then I would get it back and I had like a C or an F or something. Thank gosh that teacher had us retake the quiz as many times as we needed, which Mm -hmm. I originally thought was kind of dumb, but now I realize it's a pretty good learning tool. And I mean, as long as it's used appropriately, it wasn't like a multiple choice quiz or anything like that. But, Mm -hmm. and I don't think, I mean, especially for a student like me, I was like really devastated by having a good, I mean, a bad grade. (laughs) I was really devastated by having a bad grade. So to be able to retake it, like I actually really did go home and like watch a bunch of Khan Academy videos and get myself situated. And yeah, so then it happened again in high school where I just was like, I do not understand this math. What is going on? My dad ended up having to get me a tutor. But emotionally, it was really hard. And it, it feels so distant now. Like, I, I've i told this story a bunch, like, in elementary school math classes. Like, I, t- I tell my students. I'll t- I told, like, when I was in college, we had to start thinking again about the way that we had learned math and how math has kind of changed, so to speak. It hasn't changed, but it has kind of the way that the we common think about core math. way of doing now, but you're probably young enough that did you do common core math when you were in school? No, I don't okay. think so because okay. the the big difference that I guess parents are talking about or I get because I did not learn I learned there's so many different ways to teach long division and multiplication now. I learned regular multiplication and regular long division but actually you know now that I'm a teacher I the area model of teaching long division is fascinating to me I actually really like it a lot more than long division um 
my little sister, I remember she and she's nine years younger than me. So mm-hmm. my little sister, when she was learning multiplication, I remember my dad getting really frustrated because he taught her how to do multiplication just like he had taught me. But then she had to draw like circles to represent it. But it wasn't like five times. Well, five times seven. That is a lot of circles. That's, <laughs> a lo- that's 30, 35 circles. But yeah. no, it was like big numbers. And my dad was like, don't do this. Like, this is what you don't have to draw this many circles. Like, cause it was big numbers. And yeah, the teacher had ended up, I think that that was how they were supposed to get the answer. I think was by drawing the circles. They weren't supposed to do the out. Like the, I don't, is it, could I call it the algorithmic method of multiplication? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They weren't supposed to do that, but that's what my sister did. And then the teacher said, save this for next year in fourth grade. (laughs) my thing is if you can get to the answer who cares how you get there who cares like yeah that's why i would tell my students i'd be like who cares as long as you didn't cheat yeah i mean (laughs) i always told them i'm like even if you did cheat that's on you that's that's gonna affect you it's gonna mess up your life not mine but i feel like some of this math stuff is crazy but it's funny listening to your story It, it sounds very similar to what i experienced growing up too just very parallel to like the pull out to the the math struggles the so maybe there is that that little neurodiversity tendency i talk all the time about how i'm adhd so i know you said there's no official diagnosis but there, you know there, i think you're you're in the club and and if, just so you know i think being neurodiverse is pretty awesome so just putting that out there yeah i definitely i think so too in a way I think everybody is neurodiverse because everybody needs something different in the classroom everybody has a different way that they learn yes so I wouldn't yeah I don't know it's it's definitely interesting and I know a lot of kids I have a question for you but on TikTok and everything all these kids and everybody I know is like I have ADHD like what if you have ADHD and there's all these symptoms and people tend to be like self-diagnosing and it honestly made me not really even believe that ADHD was real. However, then I listened to this podcast about it. I, I researched it because I was like, mm-hmm. I know that can't be true. It ha- mm-hmm. like it it must be real. And I listened to this podcast about it, and it was saying like the statistics of people that have ADHD, like there's a higher fatality rate, and it's because of ADHD. Like there's more people with ADHD like get are in more car accidents and stuff like that. So they're like, it's really important to be able to get a diagnosis and get treated for that because otherwise it actually is kind of dangerous. (laughs) So I do think that there is a very high rate of ADHD. So in the neurodiverse world, there's kind of two ways of being neurodiverse. One is genetically based. If your parent is ADHD, you tend to have ADHD, but there's also a trauma-based neurodiversity. So sometimes if you've gone through some type of trauma and it's changed the gray matter in your brain, you can also start to take on some neurodiverse tendencies. So those are kind of the two pathways into becoming neurodiverse. And just like autism, I believe in ADHD that there is a spectrum. There's Sometimes you're a little bit of ADHD and sometimes you're a lot of bit of ADHD. And I think the what's happening now is especially in women, For a long time, ADHD was little boys who were like bouncing off the walls. And now people are finally realizing that it's women too. But a lot of times it's that you're constantly having that internal dialogue inside your mind or your brain is going a million miles all the time or you're thinking about stuff all the time. So it's not happening outwardly. It's happening inwardly for women. And I think that's why little girls, especially when I was in school, 
didn't get picked up on having ADHD. You were a daydreamer. You were a social butterfly type of thing. And now they're starting to realize, oh, some of this is happening internally. But I also think that there's not an exact science. And I'm going to say something really controversial that I'm sure some people will not be happy with me about saying, but it's something that I truly believe. I'm seeing more and more autism diagnosis that I don't necessarily think are autism diagnosis. I think there's more likely that people are ADHD, but they also have like a sensory processing disorder or an auditory processing disorder. And instead of just saying, okay, I'm ADHD with a sensory processing disorder and or an auditory processing disorder, because so many of the symptoms overlap in neurodiversity, like if you think of Venn diagrams and all these overlapping things happening, I think it presents like it could be autism. So people just go, oh, it's autism. When I don't necessarily think that everybody who's getting autism diagnosis are somebody who has autism. I think they have ADHD, but they also have a couple other neurodiverse tendencies happening as well. That's my personal opinion. I'm sure people will come for me for that, but it's just my opinion. Doesn't make it fact or true. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that there's not an exact science to it because I feel like we're only just now even starting to recognize that neurodiversity is is bigger than we've realized it's been. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. <clears throat> Whenever I saw those like ADHD memes, I guess you could say it's everybody I knew was always like, I think I have ADHD. And a lot of people that I knew, I'd be like, mm, maybe you do. But for myself, I was like, I definitely never had trouble focusing. Like when it was time to do the work, I was like, okay, you like, let's do this, you know? And mm -hmm. I just like hunker down and do my work. So it was, was it because it was something you found interesting? Mm. How, how do you feel about if it's something you're like, this is so boring? Are you still able, able to hunker down? Yeah, but, okay. but that's more, it's like a self-discipline thing, I guess, because I value learning and education and a perseverance is what my dad always told me. So I just do but, the thing to the, the best that I can. Do you have anxiety at all? Would you consider something? Oh my God. Yeah. I guess, does that count as no, no, that does? I, I've struggled when I was younger. I don't think that I had such bad anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, although I did get stomach aches a lot in the morning that were, especially in high school. Oh, it was so sad. I would have to take like um, an antiacid in the morning because I would be so nervous to go to school. Oh, I was um, the same way. Yeah, but I always struggled with anxiety and depression. So that was, I became really, really depressed during the second time I was going through that whole math thing. Mm -hmm. That I mean, there were some other factors going on, but that was definitely the depression part of it was affecting my school because I started literally crying one day in my math class because I was like, I just don't get this and I can't do it. So here's something to, to think about too. Often, I like to talk about mental health and neurodiversity a lot. They're, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive to one another, but they often go hand in hand for a lot of different mm -hmm. reasons. And I won't make us go down that rabbit hole. But the reason why I asked you if you dealt with anxiety is because oftentimes with anxiety, it helps to mask some of those ADHD symptoms. And what I mean is you'll have people go, well, they can't be ADHD. They get, they get here on time all the time. And people who are ADHD are late all the time. Well, sometimes you're still ADHD, but you have such bad anxiety that your anxiety is what helps you get to someplace on time. So sometimes the anxiety can mask some of the ADHD symptoms, 
because it, it almost, it's almost like an unhealthy coping strategy. If you think of it that way, it's the anxiety helps you mask some of the ADHD symptoms because you're so driven by the anxiety that it, it kind of overcompensates for the ADHD. You know what I will say about that? I'm not late to things because I have anxiety. Um, I am late to things. I hope like <laughs> employers aren't listening, whatever. I mean, not, not that late. Usually it's like, I, I, I'll oftentimes I found myself being five to 10 minutes late mm-hmm. to a lot of things, especially in college, but it was because I didn't want to go. Like, I'd be like, no, don't make me like, you know? And then the other thing too, is a lot of times I took, okay. I, the only reason why I'm talking about this also is because I, I took a behavior class while I was in college and it was about how to change a behavior and undesirable mm-hmm. behavior in the classroom basically replace it with a different one mm-hmm. so she wanted us to do an experiment on ourselves and she was like what's something about yourself that you really a behavior that you perform that you would really like to change so I was like okay I'm gonna change that I'm late to work it didn't change I tracked it and everything but I I determined that it was because the what's it called the behavior after that and not the antecedent the opposite of it but mm. whatever was happening afterwards there was no consequence for my actions okay so yes but i will this is what i was thinking of i listened to a podcast one time it was a it was like a working out podcast mm-hmm. and they were saying that you could be addicted to cortisol the stress hormone in your brain yeah. because they were like if you have really cold hands i'm like okay check <laughs> if you like going to group fitness classes and if if you uh if you're late to things a lot but it's not because not because you're running late like the reason why you end up being late and this is what I found myself doing too is because you basically rely on that stress hormone like you wait until the last minute so then that stress hormone kicks in and is like we have to go and that's a pretty accurate description. And they were saying that it was a fitness podcast. So they were talking about if you go to group fitness classes, you might be pushing yourself too hard because you're relying on that cortisol, that stress hormone. And that's to- an ADHD thing too. I mean, people who are ADHD tend to thrive under pressure because of that factor. It's not necessarily healthy. And that's why you have a lot of people who um, deal with burnout who are ADHD but it, it's a big thing. Like you thrive under pressure and it's almost like the urgency is what gets you to do the things that you need to do. Yeah. I wouldn't say that necessarily describes me. I, I'm the other thing that I think, you know, a lot of people talk about procrastination and then like, Oh my gosh, what was, Oh, not being able to focus on stuff. Mm-hmm. I am not a procrastinator. I always got my stuff done early, like right away as soon as I could, because I hate that feeling of like, oh my God, I have so much stuff to do. Or or if like one of my friends, this is what I always thought, especially mm-hmm. in college. If one of my friends is like, hey, want to hang out? I want to say yes. I don't want to have to be like, oh, I can't. I have homework or like I have a test. No, I want to hang out. My homework is done. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get that. I mean, some of it could still be that anxiety piece of, you know, or that perfectionism piece because that's a big thing too. But it's not fair for me to say because everybody is different too. That's the other yeah. hard thing too, is I think we try to create this. Oh, in order to be this, you have to have all these things. And there's yeah. so many complexities. That's why I say even with like autism, ADHD has its own spectrum too. So maybe you're like one of those people who have just like a, of ADHD. You know what I mean? It's not like this big, huge, 
you know, in your face ADHD type of thing. Yeah, it could it could be. The other thing that always that was a problem for me in school just a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's a problem in life a lot of it sometimes. I don't like loud noises. It really bothers me. Sometimes like if there's like a beeping noise, I mm-hmm. just I learned this very early on because I did not want to cause a scene. Well, I don't even know. What do you do to escape like like a repetitive beeping noise? Sometimes that just happens when you're out mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. I would count along with it. Like I would just count to four over and over again while the beeping is going on to make just because oh it just I can't even describe the feeling it just felt like something was like bubbling up inside of me and going to explode but then I was like okay I I was really into music processing disorder and your counting is your coping strategy for it and what is coping strategy the counting that you do that's like a coping strategy you've created for it that's what my boyfriend has said to me before because he he does have a sensory processing disorder something like that and so it's nice to hang out with him because in the car this is the other thing if i'm hanging out with my friends in the car and the music is too loud it just i'm like but i'm also like okay it's unsafe it's unsafe turn the music down (laughs) that's anxiety but that's probably the anxiety there yeah well there's a bunch of things going on with that because if they if they have the music too loud i'm like Mm -hmm oh my god I don't like their social anxiety because I'm like I don't want to like I don't want to tell them this is their own car lives they're giving me a ride like should I just reach up and turn the knob down myself I, that's what I usually do now but I, it really bugs me oh my god when there's people in the car and they're all just like shouting and yeah. I'm like why don't we just turn the music down but yeah oh my god it really stresses me out when there's too many loud noises or when I was younger in assemblies at school mm-hmm. everybody would be cheering and I would just be like get me out of here i this loud noise is too much for me oh my gosh so yeah, yeah i definitely gonna, think there's some sensory processing going on there i would agree with that and i've thought that before because yeah my boyfriend said that to me one time because he has a sensory processing disorder and so we listen to music really quietly together <laughs> yeah, well that's i'm well good then i'm glad you guys had that, that connection together so yeah. at least there's not a fight about the radio in the car totally well awesome well Before we go, I want you to know that this has been an amazing conversation and I have loved everything that you have shared with me today, but I always like to end with the same thing for all of my guests. And that's if if you could send a message to students and or young adults right now that might be struggling with school, either academically and or socially, what message would you share? I would say, don't worry about it. You'll get it if you want to. Just because I feel like there's probably a lot of worry right now. Like everybody, if there are kids out there that aren't giving themselves enough credit for getting through a pandemic, like surviving a pandemic, because I think a lot of people acted like it wasn't a big deal and it wasn't traumatizing and the kids aren't behind in school, but kids are behind in school. It was extremely traumatizing. There is a mental health crisis in youth right now. So like tiny kids, I'm like, don't discount yourself just try not to worry about it and just keep keep trying that's all you can do (laughs) nothing to do but do it i love it i love it well tammy thank you so much for being a guest on the neurodiverse teacher podcast i i wish you all the luck i think what you are doing is amazing i am so thoroughly impressed please stay in touch i'll have to have you back as this continues to grow because i think it's fantastic and i really enjoyed everything that you shared here today on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was very nice speaking with you too. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and I will see you next time on the Neurodiverse Teacher Podcast.